Hello and welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. This is episode 52. I am your host, Justin Lamb. I'm joined by Katie Carrison. <laughs> Close. <laughs> I like a combination. That way I'm not technically wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, technically you are wrong. Well. It's <laughs> not my name. <laughs> I don't know what you, I don't know if you change things around or not. Probably not yet. Not yet. Soon after. Yeah, waiting for the marriage license to come in the mail. Stupid marriage license. It's weird how you don't just get it as soon as you get married. Like we had yeah. to like request it, and then you have to wait for the county. It's a whole yeah. thing. And I'm then like, yeah, and then you have to use it to go change your name. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't just do it all at once. No, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So. We had a problem with that because our house is under Erica's maiden name, and then so then we were like, oh shit. Uh. <laughs> But apparently no one cares. So they're like, no, as long as you give us money, I'll say you're fucking John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yeah. Because his That's name. That's my name yeah, too. I don't yeah. know if you knew that. Yeah, yeah. yeah his mm-hmm. name was my yeah. name too. Uh, hi. We have a fun show today. Uh, super, super influential band we're going to go over. And uh, I have another California beer. As I mentioned last week, I shipped a whole case of beer home. All different varieties, and this is one that isn't going to be too shocking to Katie's tongue, hopefully. Yes. Not a lot of hops. She said, don't give me an IPA, and I said, go home. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Uh, but we're going to jump into it, because I know the second I bring up this subject, she's going to she's gonna rattle on for hours. Mm, I'm going to try to stay, stay focused. Well, I encourage just unfocused conversation. <laughs> So uh, we'll take a little break with a little preview song here, and then uh, we'll jump into the beer, which is obviously my favorite part of the show. And you can feel what I'm feeling, and it's a musical masterpiece. Hear what I'm dealing with, and that's cool at least. What's running through my mind comes through and my walk. All right, this week's beer, again from California, which I think this whole month's going to end up being California beers, because you know what? Fuck you, founders. Um, came out of nowhere. It was very aggressive. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so mad. Uh, that's a whole. That's a subject for another podcast. Um, uh, Alvarado Street Brewery out of Salinas, California, and this is a this is branching away from everything you find in California because everything seems to be an IPA, but this is called Heole Punch. Did I, you think I say that right? That's what I that's what I would say. Heole Punch. Heole Punch. This is a kettle sour ale with passion fruit, orange, guava, and vanilla beans. I was excited about the fruit taste, but then I saw vanilla beans. I got even more excited. Yeah, I'm pretty. For some pumped. reason, I'm thinking like cream sickle. I don't know. Ooh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to let you do yours. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to do mine. All right. And then if everything goes sour, no pun intended, uh, I'm going to drink all Katie's beer, too. <laughs> but hopefully she likes it. In case I find it just horrific. But it, uh, it's got a it's got a cloudy yellowish hue. No, well, I guess orange. Yeah. But it's in the glass. Yeah. Got a cloudy orange hue, similar to like what you'd see, uh, like a blue moon or a normal like weed ale. You can smell it's a little fruity. Yeah, it smells really good. Fruity. See how sour it is. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, I can get down to that. What is that at the end? I don't like pineapple. I know there's not pineapple. It must be the guava. Yeah, something right when that like hits the back of your throat. There's something there. Yeah, this is a, so it is a sour ale, but it's still a little mild on the sour. It's nothing crazy overwhelming because there's a lot of fruit flavor in there. Yep, I like this a lot. Yeah, I can get down. I can get down to that. Well, I was saying uh, a minute ago, I don't think I was, well, I'm technically recording always, but uh, I have a lot of beers from Alvarado Street, so we'll see which ones I keep on the podcast and which ones I drink otherwise. I was mainly going for 16-ounce cans when I was in California. and It's a nice look. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's they fit well in a USPS flat rate box. <laughs> well, okay, and I will tell you, this can definitely looks like just the marketing is accurate for when it comes to the taste of the beer. 
So it has this tropical design on on the front, uh, like around the can, uh, and I feel uh, like it's it really goes with the taste. I was trying to do like luau music with yeah, my I mouth, like that. and that didn't happen. Yeah. I, I kept going into like the lullaby. Well, uh, what you can't uh, see is that Justin's kind of swaying, so I got I got the luau <laughs> vibe that he was doing, conveying. Doing my hands a little. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. tasty. Passion fruit, orange. Yeah, I definitely get the orange. Yep. Yeah, that must be the guava or maybe like the vanilla beans right on the back of your throat when you... Yeah, and I'll be totally honest with you. I can't conjure the taste of passion fruit, so I don't know like which... My experience with passion fruit is. is always just candy. Right. Like, oh, that Starburst flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I know what passion fruit tastes like. like mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe it's called passion fruit chew. That's what it, always, <laughs> that's what it says on the Starburst anyway. <laughs> that's the full name of the fruit. <laughs> But yeah, that's tasty. Um, I don't know how widely they're distributed. That's the disadvantage of a lot of my listeners being local. <laughs> I don't think you can find this. But um, check it out. Go online. I, I found out apparently not just by myself, but through other people. You can get beer mailed to you. So uh, go to Alvarado Street Brewery and check out what you can get from them. Or if you see them around. Or if you have a local bar that likes to get things shipped in and tap takeovers and that sort of thing there you go go nuts It is time for the main event. Katie, you want to tell them what we're talking about today? We're talking about the Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As you may have heard from the two or three songs that I've already played during this podcast. Um, So we're uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, and Katie's going to talk about even more, because this was Katie's little, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? What? I don't know. Favorite band, I guess? Oh, yeah. I, I was oh, trying yeah, to think of a band. more clever way of saying that. <laughs> no, I mean, that's just straight up. Favorite yeah. band. Yeah, um, I love the Beastie Boys. I guess, yeah, you could say band. They play instruments. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've I've never been sure, actually. Like, I often have... I feel like I've always referred to them as, like, a group. Well, yeah, because rap and hip-hop, you typically do. Yeah. But and the they fact, don't always play instruments. It yeah. depends on the album and the sound. So. But the fact they all started that way playing instruments yeah it don't you know and, and it also depends on your view of like the voice as an instrument um so i don't know I've, I've generally said like group but sometimes band they both work it's the beastie boys they're everything that's true it's good so as you know this is a 90s podcast um, beastie boys span from 1981 all the way till today so we are gonna be a little more brief about some subjects uh i'm gonna give this little history i wrote down and then katie's gonna elaborate a lot more on it i'm sure (laughs) um but uh, everybody all i don't know anyone in the world that doesn't know license to ill at the very least in some like third world country there's still some kid that's like fight for right to party that was super racist (laughs) i'm really (laughs) the point i'm trying to make is everybody knows that song (laughs) No matter what age you are. That was the worst thing I've ever said. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but that was from License to Ill. Uh, Beastie Boys as a band formed as a punk band in 1981 called the Aborigines. Um, Adam Yauk, I think I said that right, uh, joined and they became the Beastie Boys. And then they played a bunch of New York clubs with the Dead Kennedys, the Misfits. Uh, I didn't know this until today, which blew my mind because these are bands that I like grew up with being a little punk rocker um and then their first little seven inch had a hip-hop song called on it or on it called cookie puss which all morning i kept reading this as kooky puss <laughs> no cookie puss um was like cookie some puss. sort of character that was like sort of like before time slash east coast that we wouldn't know of and i'm gonna confirm that right now damn you cookie puss um but then this is my this is fun because anytime this is mentioned uh just in passing it's just to like, oh, and then uh, they met this guy. But, and I'm going to say it just as nonchalantly. Uh, once they realized that people liked their hip hop stuff, they hired a DJ, some NYU student named Rick Rubin, who, along with some <laughs> other NYU student, Russell Simmons, 
founded Def Jam Records <laughs> and produced their first two albums, Licensed Ill and Paul's Boutique. Uh, obviously, Def Jam Records, one of the biggest record labels to to come out of, I mean, to, to take over really the hip hop genre from that time forward. Uh, and then Rick Rubin, one of the most sought after producers in history ever. Yeah. <laughs> and Russell Simmons vegan important fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Wait, which one? Russell Simmons. Is Russell vegan. Simmons mm-hmm. is vegan. Mm-hmm. Rick Rubin is not. No. What a dick. I know. What well, you know dick. what? He might be. I just, and maybe he, he just, I just don't know it, but it doesn't matter. What was the what We was all the, like Rick Rubin. Double double R foots the bill indefinitely. What's the? I just put that line together. Uh, what's the Russell Simmons reality show that was out with him and his family? I have. I don't know. Oh, Erica would know. She, she would know. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a crap. But so the the main '90s albums mm-hmm. that came out after Paul's Boutique, uh, Check Your Head in '92, Ill Communication '94, and Hello Nasty in '98, and then they've had three albums after that in the 2000s. But we were going to start the 1989 release. I mean, License is to Ill, like, go look it up. You probably know all the songs on it anyway. You do, yeah. But it's, it's far, far outside the purview of this podcast. Yeah. But Paul's Boutique, 89, came out, I think, late 89. I don't think we ever figured that out. But, uh, and was pretty heavily influenced on any of the 90s hip hop that, that came out after that. So I'm going to let Katie talk about that because... Yeah, so there was actually a great oral history of Paul's Boutique, um, or maybe not quite an oral history, but basically Adam Horowitz and Mike D sat down and talked to like New York Mag, I think like the Vulture Vertical, about recording Paul's Boutique and how they first did it, because they went out to LA to record it with the Dust Brothers, and they first did it in like someone's house and just like shitty equipment, but it was great, and then, you know, the label wanted them to do it like in the studio, and... um, I don't, there was like a whole, it was it's just, it's just a great story and, and it's just, you know, written down as um, Adam and Mike tell it and just love them. So check that out for if you're like a big Beastie Boys nerd um, or you love Paul's Boutique for the trailblazing and pioneering album that it was. Um, Should we have mentioned, sorry, uh, Beastie Boys are <laughs> Mike uh, Michael Diamond and Mike D, yep. Adam Yauk, MCA, and Adam Horowitz. Ad Rock. Ad Rock, the King Ad Rock. The Dust Brothers thing's crazy to me too. Yeah. Because I didn't even know Dust Brothers were around back then. Yeah. Because I know them from, uh, they did the Fight Club soundtrack. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's like, that was my introduction to them in like 99. Yeah. So the, the thing, here, here's the thing with the Beastie Boys. And I remember reading this in, in some retrospective on them or something dedicated to them where, and this was like Chris Rock was talking about, it was like a Rolling Stone or Spin or something. And Chris Rock was talking about them. And I was just like, yes, that's exactly it. Is, you know, he was saying that, you know, you listen to License to Ill when that came out. And so, okay, for me, I didn't listen to it when it came out. Cause I was like three or two or something <laughs> when it came out. But, uh, you know, I, I got into the Beastie Boys. So I was born in 83, got into the Beastie Boys after, and I had obviously known about them. Like, you know, you grow up, you watch MTV, you listen to the radio. I knew about the Beastie Boys. But my family went, we like went to Cedar Point one summer. And I was like 14 years old. This was before ninth grade. And then we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on the way home. And there was some little exhibit on the Beastie Boys. And I just got like really into it. And I was like, these guys are so fucking cool. And we went to the little like record store that they have at the museum and I bought License to Ill because I'm like, well, let me just start at the beginning. I want to just get really familiar. So I listened to li- listen to License to Ill nonstop, just nonstop, like had the entire thing memorized, still have a large portion of it memorized. <laughs> she offered to sing some for this. Podcast. I could do 98% of Paul Revere without mistakes, but whatever I won't um, for all of our sake. And then, and then, so I, I, you know, memorized that album, listened to it religiously, you know, I'm 14 years old, so you get completely obsessed with things. And then, I bought Paul's Boutique. And when I started listening to Paul's Boutique, and now, like, I was familiar with, like, Hey Ladies, um, but Paul's Boutique was such a shock after License to Ill, and that was also the case when it came out. Like, it did it did not do well commercially. Yeah. Um, but it's genius. It's complete genius. Like, uh, High Plains Drifter, if you're not familiar with Paul's Boutique or the Beastie Boys, um, just listen to High Plains Drifter. Just fucking listen to it over and over again, and you'll... You'll understand what I'm talking about. 
Um, but yeah, it was a, just a totally different sound. It was a completely inventive record and it couldn't be made today because after this record, believe after this record was made, Bismarck, he got sued about sampling and Paul's boutique is like all, all samples. <laughs> so you just couldn't make, literally could not make that kind of album today without, you know, it costing a ton of money, yeah. um, or maybe not at all. So anyway, that's my little, well, we're, yeah, we're the same age. Yeah. And I remember, uh, I think I had a slight advantage in, as far as like being introduced to stuff like this because you're the oldest of your mm-hmm. family, but I had an older brother by like almost four years, so he would get stuff. That's how I got most of my music growing up. That's how I like found out about Counting Crows and stuff like right. that. And so he had licensed ill, but I remember even before he had it in elementary school, everybody knew the fight for your right to party. Totally, yeah, <laughs> hundred. Everybody did. Nobody probably knew any other the words, thankfully, <laughs> or what they meant, but. But, uh, yeah, cause you know, smoking and porn. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, but Paul's boutique that had, what other uh, was, there was another single off that wasn't there? Other oh hey yeah. Ladies? I mean, there was, um, there was, Hey ladies, there was shake your romp. Um, I'm trying to think of, I can pull up like, by the way, cookie puss was a Carvel, um, character and they had like, there was like the cookie puss cake and that's literally the entire story of Cookie Puss. I um, like that there was anything out there called Cookie Puss. I know. Um, um, okay, so on, on Paul's Boutique, oh God, there's so many. Like, B-Boy Bully Bass, which is, like, the last, like, secret song. It goes on forever. It's so good. Shadrack is so good. I don't know necessarily what, besides, like, Hey Ladies, what the singles were. Yeah. But just listen to the whole thing a million times. There you go. Yeah. Um, and I think Paul's Boutique is the one that Rolling Stone called the... Uh, the dark side of the moon of hip hop. <laughs> Which I was like, okay. And that was the re- like in comparison to the license to ill release, they called Paul's boutique, the dark side of the moon of hip hop. I like, don't know enough about pink Floyd. To well, I feel like what comparison. they meant by that maybe is like, it didn't have as much mainstream success, but okay. the people that like liked the band thought it was such an essential original album or something along those lines. Yeah. I could be completely talking out of my ass right now too, though. But that is, that, that is true though. What you're saying. But following Paul's Boutique then, we had uh, Check Check Your Your Head, Head, 1992, released on Capitol Records. They had a falling out with Def Jam or just split up with Def Jam. They just split with them, yeah. And went on Capitol Records for the next at least three releases. I don't know if they continued. Well, they put Uh, out Hello Nasty, or that was Capitol. I'm trying to think if it was also kind of like also put out with Grand Royal, which was their label for a while. So one of these was. It was, it was either, either Ill, Ill communication, communication or Hello Nasty. They yeah. did, yeah, with both labels. Okay. Um, but Check Your Head had, I'll play it right now, this wonderful song. So what you want? So that was that. <laughs> so what you want for a long time was like even before I like really really got into the Beastie Boys was like my favorite Beastie Boys song and the the video I just like would watch and be like oh my god they're so cool. Katie just made me watch the video before and we they're came still down here. so fucking cool. But like, that video was so nineties. You, you oh like you god. called it out at such because it's it's almost like it's shot on a VHS camcorder and well, then they, they add in it. the like the before green screen was a thing green screen effects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all wearing, as you said, like ringer tees and beanies. Yeah. And well, Adam Yauk has MC is wearing like a flannel as well because it's '92, <laughs> and course. they're like in the woods, and they're just, you know, and the Beastie Boys were always known for. They they've always been known for being really fun, creative, playful, um, but cool. Like there's nothing 
like dorky about the Beastie Boys, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's, but they're they're so inviting, and that's like a point I want to make about them is that the Beastie Boys are like have just since 1985 or whatever been throwing like a big party, and mm-hmm. everybody's welcome mm-hmm. to party with them. Yeah, it always seems like they're having it's, like a really good time, yeah. and. Not in an exclusive way. Nope, it's they're inclusive. They're having a really good time, and they're like, you guys have a good time, too. And yeah. it doesn't seem like they're really like ever talking shit about people. Nope. They're just having a good time, and then uh, rapping about having a good time. Yeah, and, and they, you know, they and, have serious subjects that they bring up, and, you know, mostly it's just great rhymes. Yeah. and their lyricism is amazing. It's just amazing. And, you know, they alternate. You know, you have, like, some albums where it's really dominated by, like, them alternating every other one or two lines somebody else is taking over and then some albums where you know they'll switch off verses and then you have songs like sabotage where almost the entire thing is adam horvitz um obviously like beastie boys too direct uh influencers of people like bloodhound gang eminem Eminem for sure. Eminem who just used the license to ill cover for his newest album. Oh, did he? You don't know about this? No. Uh, he did it. He changed some of the wording, but it's the the back of the plane, which that's a whole other thing. I know. <laughs> see how I started this? We're like, we're not going to talk about that stuff. <laughs> but license to ill. Even thinking about the the insert coming out today, like in a post nine eleven world, because if you unfold it or you see the back, you know it's the plane like crushed into the mountainside yeah <laughs> so couldn't really do that without yeah. some controversy um but yeah eminem just just did a his latest album has, is a, a homage to license to ill cover nice yeah so um check your head and ill communication were kind of they had like kind of a continuity of sound i mean not exactly the same by any means at all but they followed like they they just had like ill communication kind of naturally followed check your head like it it made sense and um, of course ill communication had like the mega super hit well, of so sabotage. That, yeah that, that's what I was gonna say I feel like license to ill nailed them to the eighties like yeah that was huge and then they continued on but it wasn't until sabotage that like stapled them into the 90s as well because mm-hmm. sabotage was huge because you mentioned this earlier katie was asking me because i was talking about like listen to punk and shit as a kid um you know, like so i'm surprised you didn't have beastie boys albums because i wasn't like a i was a i was a fair weather fan obviously i had licensed ill and knew all those songs but i didn't uh, i don't think i had any other beastie boys albums i knew the singles the music videos and shit but there's nothing i like sought after but my friends did because mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you think Ill Communication came out at the same time as, like, Offspring Smash, Green mm-hmm. Day Dookie, mm-hmm. um, and all my friends that were listening to, like, punk music definitely had Ill Communication, uh, and Hello Nasty was something that people just obviously bought when it came out, too, because yeah. you're like, Cause it's Beastie Boys. Right. Um, but, I mean, I would hear the stuff on local radio, which is funny, too, because now that I think about it, I didn't hear anything on like hip hop stations. I heard it on alternative stations. No, and that's an interesting thing about the Beastie Boys is DJs weren't ever really sure. And you know, and I remember reading about this back in the day because I was always like, why isn't there more Beastie Boys on the radio? Like, because, you know, from 14 on, I just love them. And I would hear them on 89X. Yeah. Um, but only, only certain songs. Like, yeah. if it was too rappy, 89X wouldn't play it. No, no, no. Yeah. But like rap stations, unless they were playing, kind of doing like kind of like throwback stuff and doing license to ill they wouldn't really play bc boys because it was too rock or alternative so it was it was hard for djs to kind of justify putting them in their lineup on like big big you know mainstream radio stations so that was like the bc boys have really like always thrived kind of despite not having like the most categorizable sound like they had a lot of commercial success just it was like hard to pin them down to a category you know 89x and uh, probably alternative stations across the country because let's face it there's really like three companies that own every radio station (laughs) uh beastie boys are one of the like three or four bands that constantly get sampled for transitions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like mm-hmm. morning shows and stuff where you hear the, a song playing in the background while they're like telling you the weather and traffic. <laughs> and you're like, why don't you play that song? Like, but it's just, like, yeah. Yeah, it's just a clip from a Beastie Boys song. They do that with Radiohead. 
they do the Beastie Boys and then like some other like 90s techno band. There's always just like something yeah. in the background playing. Uh, before we move on with with ill communication, we have to talk about the the video for Sabotage. Yeah. <laughs> which I feel like at one point was probably the most played video on MTV. Because mm-hmm. A, it was directed by Spike Jones, And then it was this, this homage slash parody of like 70s cop dramas Mm -hmm. done so well so so good and they have those terrible fucking wigs on (laughs) and like and just those like dorky like short like dwight schrute style kind of clothes that they loved (laughs) to dress up in like the beastie boys just love to put on like short sleeve shirts and ties i don't know why but they did and it's fun like, to dress up. Yeah. You know, they're just that, like, orange jumpsuits. They just had their things, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, anybody who's, like, seen footage of one of their shows, could, like, instantly recognizes those looks. Yeah. And uh, Sabotage, I didn't realize this until I was doing some research, but, like, there's three or four scenes that are cut from the video because of their content. Really? That you can see. I didn't see, know that either, uh, actually. It's some DVD release, and then the full thing was released on Vivo, or isn't it Vivo? Yeah, I think it's pronounced um, Vivo. But yeah, there's a guy getting thrown out of a moving car. There's a guy <gasps> jumping off a building. Oh yeah, okay. And stuff that they were like, oh, it's too violent. Oh, maybe I didn't realize that wasn't just in the like to jump back video. in time real quick, guys. They thought those things were too violent to show on MTV. I don't know if you've <laughs> seen MTV recently. <laughs> I haven't. But if that was the fucking bar. Well, first of all, you can't see music videos on MTV. Well, yeah, anymore. no, that's true. But you think about the shit they show in the reality shows and like people with their fucking vaginas hanging out and crap, and they're like, whoa, 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 you can't throw a guy out of a moving car in this Beastie Boys video. Yeah, in an obviously fake way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was the standard back then, and that's where we're at today. Yeah, it was a little different. Um, this was the first album, too, released uh, to number one. It went number one on Billboard's Top 200. Woo! So, yeah, let me just talk a little bit about. Um, one song on, on this album, which is, um, get it together and get it together features Q-tip. And if uh, there's just this, there's this one part where like when Q-tip is like in one of Q-tip sections where he's just like freestyling and just making, you know, just making it up as he goes and he kind of like fucks up and doesn't make a real rhyme he just repeats the same thing and then he says like fuck it i know i didn't make a fucking rhyme for real but yo technically i'm as hard as steel nice anyway get it together is like (laughs) probably i just was like making little notes on like what were my like favorite songs off these albums that weren't like major singles or something like that or whatever the case and yeah get it together on um on ill communication and i don't know when adam yauk um when he became Buddhist, but he, he became a Buddhist at some point before they recorded ill communication, because there's a lot of, there's like, you know, like Bodhisattva, I don't know if I'm saying that right, excuse me, but like Bodhisattva vow, um, and, and a lot of like Buddhist influence on this album and that you'll hear like throughout Beastie Boys music since this album. And they also, you know, organize the Tibetan freedom concerts, um, in the nineties. Oh, I didn't know they organized them. Oh yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And raised a lot of money for like Tibetan freedom. And so the Beastie Boys had this big, like, especially MCA. And I would just like to say that I still feel like his absence all the time. And I can't believe that he's not still with us. And he is just, he was a wonderful man who brought so much positivity to this world and made a really, really big impact in what, like 47 years. So, um, yeah, yeah, just miss him and hope you rest in peace. Um, but anyway, they they had this whole activist element to what to what they did, and the thing I loved about them, and I ha- I honestly don't know, I haven't linked on my reading on like how much did Mike Deer um, at uh, you know Adam Horowitz care about Buddhism or Tibet. Like, I don't know how much they personally did, but they clearly supported the endeavor. And the thing I like is like this band didn't never, they never broke up. They didn't have drama. Like they weren't fighting with other people. Like they just made music, had a good time. Like that, I guess that just goes along with what we were saying before about like, there's just this sense of like inclusivity and like just love. I mean, it sounds a little cheesy, but ultimately it's true. true. Like there's just a lot of love. Um, do you know, do you know, uh, cause I know you and, uh, you and Erica, you might know her. She's my wife. 
Uh, you guys earlier were talking about going to Beastie Boys concerts. I just went to one. Um, you only went to one? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I wanted to ask about that because I wondered how much they toured because they go like two, four, six years between some of these albums. And yeah. So I wonder, like for you, was that like the inner gla- or the Hello Nasty that tour? That was Hello Nasty. Okay. And so, that's, that's the next album, 1998, Hello Nasty. Yep. So I was, you know, deep into my Beastie Boys obsession at the time that Hello Nasty came out because I'm in ninth grade. Really just rocking it. Yeah. And that and here's the thing, like Hello Nasty comes out and it's a totally not totally, but a very different sound from ill communication. It's more like a electronic. You get all this electro, yeah, right? It's and great. <laughs> and they're they're bringing they were bringing back some elements, you know, they sample license to ill at one point, or at least one point in in Hello Nasty. And but this album comes out and you're like what is this? Like, I was like, what is this shit with them in the yellow, like hazmat suits, like yeah, stomping through like Tokyo or something. <laughs> but then you're just like, then you kind of get used to it and you're like, this is fucking genius. Like, but it takes you a minute to get used to this new thing they're doing. But you know, I was also like, what, like 14, 15 years old when this album came out. And, um, so it was a perfect, just perfect timing for me. Cause I had, you know, just been obsessed with all their albums for several months, which when you're in, you know, at, at early teen years feels like several years. Um, cause everything's so new to you. <laughs> and it's the end of freshman year that came out. Yeah. Okay. The end of freshman year. So I remember I was, um, got really into that album and I was driving one day, like obviously like, you know, with my mom or something, cause I couldn't drive yet <laughs> and listening to 89 X and heard that beastie boys tickets were going to be going on sale like that this coming weekend. Um, and they were going to be playing at the palace in August. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to go to this. Like, please like, can, can we go? So, I went with my two best friends back in, in high school, Melissa Pergle and Erin O'Connor. Shout um, out. Shout out. <laughs> What's and, up, girls? Hey. <laughs> and, uh, but so we had to go get tickets. So my mom took me to get tickets that weekend. And we drove to the palace. And because you couldn't go buying tickets online or anything yet. So yeah. we, we drove to the palace. And there was a huge line at the palace by the time we got there. And, you know, we got there hours ahead of time. Huge line. Yeah, kids, you used to, you used to have to either go to the venue or go to these things called record stores. Yep. And only a few Harmony of them. House. Only a few of them sold tickets. Yep, <laughs> only a few. And so we went and we're, you know, waiting. And we're, like, waiting for a while. And the security guard kind of lets us know this section of our line. Like, hey, you know, there's no line at Pine Knob. Which, uh, if you live in the Detroit area, you know that that's, they're all part of the same kind of entertainment family. So my mom and, and me and then like these other people around us drive over to Pine Knob from the palace and get in this line there. And uh, the guys in there was some guys in front of us who we were chatting with who were like 19 or 20 years old. So to me, they were like glamorous adults. <laughs> uh, to my mom, they were like nice boys. And they were like, do you want to get tickets together? Like, we can look out for you at the show. And thinking back, I'm like, that feels so sketchy. But my mom was like, that's a good idea. And (laughs) so we bought tickets with these dudes. And they were actually legit, like, big brother types at the show looking out for us, making sure nobody, like, accidentally body slammed us. And now Katie's married to one of them. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't know where they are, but thank you for being (laughs) legitimate, nice guys. But let me, a couple of fun facts about this concert. Tickets were $26.50. Oh. The good old I still days. remember the ticket price, twenty six fifty. Uh the opener was a tribe called Quest. Nice. That's <laughs> sweet. Not many people can be like, oh yeah, Tribe Called Quest saw them when I was like 14. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and one of the greatest moments in the concert was they started up Paul's uh, Paul's boutique. They started up Paul Revere from License to L. And but they didn't wrap any of it. They just started it up. And they let the crowd rap the entire song because all of us knew the, and they knew we all knew the entire song. And so they just, they might've like started with the first line or something, but like we all did all of Paul's Revere and they did not do it at all. And that was like one of those moments where, especially, I mean, 15, but even now at 35, like I would like freak out at that. Like it's, it was so fun. So 
really, really fun show. I wish I had seen them again in the early 2000s when I was living in New York and had another chance and I just, or mid 2000s. And I just, you know, didn't get my shit together to see them. And, um, I, I wish that I had, but that, that concert in 98 remains the best show I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of, a lot of concerts. So that, that was a little digression to talk about seeing BC boys live. Um, greatest show you, you could have ever seen. And if you missed it, I'm sorry about that for you. Yeah. The hello nasty tour. Yep. Like I said, that album came out in '98, so that was probably your like freshman year. Mm-hmm. You went and saw them. Uh, Capitol Records right again. Right before sophomore year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, that had Intergalactic, as I was trying to sing earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the funny thing about that song too, because even though they had a, like a way more electronic feel, the actual vocalizations were just very much normal Beastie Boys. Like, yeah, totally. Finishing each like each other's verses and, yep. and back and forth. Um, Body moving, which I forgot about until I looked this up. I was like, oh, yeah, that fucking song. Yeah, body moving. I don't even remember verses from that. I just remember the I chorus. do. Um, and uh, this also reached number one on Billboard Top 200. That took a little longer, but still hit there. That was their peak spot. And named uh, Rolling Stones uh, Best Five Albums of 1998. This was one of them. So. I would also like to say, if you are new to this album, one of my personal favorite songs on it is called The Move. I think it's track two or three. The Move. The whole thing is awesome. I mean, I'm look, you're not going to show like give me a Beastie Boys album and have me be like, oh, this actually isn't that good. I'm going to be like, the whole thing is awesome. Just listen to it. But this one has definitely has like a, you know, a very special place in my heart because like, it was one that like came out when I like it was new to me. Yeah. I wasn't catching up to it. And it's it. the tour you went to. And it's a tour I went to. So yeah, all yeah. kinds of special places in my heart. Side note, I have Intergalactic, like I have the record. I bought the record, never opened it. Ooh. Okay. Never opened it because the vinyl. I'm like the vinyl. Yeah. And I have a couple of other Beastie Boys vinyls because, of course, like, you know, in the late 90s, I went through this phase of buying, like, every possible Beastie Boys thing I could. Oh, she, don't don't let her fool you. She just bought Beastie Boys street art, like, a year ago. <laughs> I, no, I actually did pay $250 at the Ann Arbor Art Fair for this painting of their faces. Anyway, whatever. Um, you know what? It's a, it's, a, it's a showpiece in my living room. It's an um, investment for the future. It is, actually. Um, so... Hello Nasty, I, I bought, or Intergalactic rather, I bought, I think it was just Intergalactic, bought like the single, you know, and I had a yeah. couple of other versions or whatever. Kept it in the in the plastic forever, like left it in my parents' house because I didn't want to bring it to New York. Like earlier this year, my dad just busts open the plastic so he can digitize it along with the rest of his record collection. Because, you know, he's I an old man, that, yeah. and he wanted to digitize his whole record collection. <laughs> it was his whole big project. And he was like, hey, whose Beastie Boys record is that down there? I'm like, first of all, there should be, like, at least three. So I don't know where the rest of them went, Erica. Um, but second of all, it's mine. And did you open it? And he was like, of course I opened it. I had to digitize it. And I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's still rare enough to be worth something, but still. <laughs> really pissed me off, yeah. Steve Carlson. So, you know, don't leave stuff in your parents' possession when they go around digitizing things. <laughs> that was my bad. That's a, a, a millennial statement. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave stuff in your parents' possession if they're going to digitize it. <laughs> That applies to like one person listening, but just go grab your old random records now that you bought for like bedroom decor. If you're one of those people that got your parents the record player that USBs to the computer for Christmas one year, go get your records back. (laughs) They're going to ruin everything. They're going to ruin everything. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be like, I'll burn it onto a CD for you. (laughs) Or in the case of your dad, if you have photo negatives, you'd never wanted them to see (laughs) They're not safe in that box. <laughs> no. They have a digitizer for that, too. He just We just had to go through a bunch of old photos from his trip to Sweden when he was two. So. Oh, man. That's funny. <laughs> it was very cute, actually. But, yeah, dad stuff. Anyway, back to the Beastie Boys. Yes. Uh, Beastie Boys, as you can imagine, they continued on through the 2000s uh, to three albums that I never listened to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard the most about Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. Mm, okay. Which is the most recent one, mm-hmm. which is weird but and is the mix up an actual original album or is that just like a remix stuff of all of their crap you know what i'm not even gonna lie to you i don't know about the mix up yeah see when you get past like oh two oh three who knows we were all um living in different cities and no doing that crack cocaine. this looks to be like uh first of all don't bring up cocaine on this podcast crack cocaine <laughs> nobody was doing crack <laughs> 
Um, this is, this is its own, yeah, this is just its own album. Sorry, everybody who's like, obviously it's its own album, you idiots. I thought you knew about the Beastie Boys, but, um, yeah, we're old and I sort of, you know, it's like you get into different kinds of music at different times. And of course, I'd like to point out too, their, their first album in the 2000s is To the Five Burrows. Yeah, And of course, Katie lived in Brooklyn. I did. (laughs) I did. Well, I lived in Manhattan and then I I lived in Brooklyn. I would have lived in one of those burrows the Beastie Boys talk about. Uh, so. Well, kind of. Yeah, they did influence <laughs> me to want. So, you know, it's funny with the Beastie Boys. Is no like sleep till? Brooklyn. There you go. You know, at one time, you guys, I was on the D train uh, going from Manhattan to Brooklyn. <laughs> I've been on the D train, you know yeah, what I'm saying? you know what I'm saying? It's a penis joke, guys. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Justin. <laughs> I was on the D train going from Manhattan to Brooklyn, and I was listening <laughs> to Paul's Boutique, and B-Boy Boolia Bass came on. And right at the point where they say, hello, Brooklyn, I was fucking under the water in the tunnel. And that's called a sign from God. Holy shit. So. God done introduced you to the Beastie Boys. (laughs) (laughs) Just had to just had to throw that out there because I just remembered it now. Um, anyway, to, you know what's interesting is, so my husband is eight years younger than me, and he first got into the Beastie Boys with, like, Hello Nasty. Um, As a preschooler? Hey, <laughs> jokes for days, guys. Actually, he was only, like, seven, so barely out of oh, preschool. Okay. <laughs> but I think Reality that- <laughs> for days, guys. <laughs> but... He like he's most familiar with like to the five boroughs and the the albums from the two thousands, which to me are all feel like like not like they're the albums I'm least familiar with. Yeah. Like I'm 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 yeah. quite familiar with to the five boroughs, but like the mix up and hot sauce committee part two, with exception of a few songs, like because I was just into like other music at the time. Yeah, and that just seems to be the way with like music in general, right? Like during your, for lack of a better term, I formative like a, years. Yeah, mm-hmm. formative years. It's that's true. exactly what I was uh, That's the stuff like, and all your emotional angst because you're like yep. finding out about love and hate and anger and everything for the first time. So you're relating to all this stuff on like a level that you'll never ever comprehend again in your life. Um, that's when you attach most of this music. Then when you get older, like, oh, those guys are still making albums? That's crazy. Like, how many people were surprised in, like, 2004 when they're like, Bob Seger's a new album? What the fuck? (laughs) I did not know Bob Seger had a new album in 2004. Probably later than that, I think. Yeah, it was later than that, because I was working at Best Buy. (laughs) So that was, like, 2008. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, you have, like, these, and I, the Beastie Boys to me are, if there's, like, a, a group, musical artist, whatever, who's, like, really just very close to your heart and like kind of part of your identity yeah they're they're it for me and but they're so different like the people i know who are like huge bc boys fans are sometimes like fans in very different ways than i am like i'm not a punk fan well no and that's part of the inclusivity that's inclusivity yeah thank you yeah and (laughs) they just like appeal to so many different kinds of people that you'll meet people who were were, that's the only like musically the only band you really have in common (laughs) and and you might live very different lifestyles and you have all kinds of different interests and you're radically different ages, but you both like the BC boys mean a lot to you and for different reasons. Um, and I just, I guess I just always felt like, um, like, yeah, I, I just, I really can't stress the positivity and inclusivity enough. And honestly, like they were just so cool and they're still so cool. Like when you, when you see like Adam and Mike, talking like they just did like a live periscope thing because there's this new beastie boys book called i believe the beastie boys book that just came out so they've been promoting that and they're just get it now on so, amazon.com <laughs> you should get an amazon affiliate link put that in the show notes make a couple bucks boom um but they're just like so themselves and they just make you feel like you can just totally be yourself yeah. and they're just those kind of people you know yeah. and those people are like so rare and they're but they're also like creative geniuses which is the other side of it and that part I can't relate to. I'm semi-talented in some ways, not a creative genius by any means, and I'm definitely not cool as fuck, which they are. So I heard that. Yeah. Right there with you. <laughs> yeah, four people listen to this shit. <laughs> um, no, I just thought of something, too, uh, before we wrap this up. I, uh, I mentioned last week we'd, I did an episode on Rancid. I don't know if you know Rancid, punk band from 90s. Yeah. Um, and... Yep. And we're talking about Northern California. I always say we. It's me, guys. You know that. <laughs> but, it's, 
talking about punk bands in Northern California, and I thought that was really crazy that there was such a big punk scene in Northern California, like because it's there's still to this day such a like hippie scene, and they didn't really get along because hippies were both were anti-establishment, but hippies were more passive, whereas punk rock was a little more like violent anti-establishment. Like tear shit down, literally. But, but hip-hop was a little more violent anti-establishment, and I think that's a neat little bridge here that they mm-hmm. kind of crossed over into mm-hmm. and uh, kept that as a fan base throughout their entirety as a, as a group. So that's crazy. It's, so it's, well, yeah. and let me just say with the with the Beastie Boys and with, and with a lot of other hip-hop artists... Um, in the in the 80s and 90s and today as well i mean i don't presume to be like an expert on the genre at all i mean i listen as much as like anybody who grew up in metro detroit does who's not justin yeah i was like who's not justin (laughs) anybody who's not like yeah anybody who liked rap and arm and i like love 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 r&b especially 90s r&b obviously which was the peak but um that like ages me to say that but i think we all know it's true 90s (laughs) r&b um there was a lot of, while you had, like, violent rhetoric and whatever, and um, in a lot of hip-hop at the time, there was also a lot of just really um, opposite of that. Like, just really, like, chill, yeah. um, peaceful, like, fun, like... Having a good time? Yeah, and but, like, smart, you know? Yeah. I mean, Tribe Called Quest is a great example of it. Beastie Boys are a great example of it. And there's a lot to dig into there just in terms of, like, you know, politics and racism and things like that where that come into, like, where the violence comes in or whatever. But just in terms of, like, hip-hop, like, there is this long legacy of just, I mean, of fun and smart and, I mean putting rhymes together like when when you look at i mean just take beastie boys lyrics or any rapper you like and and just print them out and look at them and just try to figure out how yeah. they put it together and it'll blow your mind yeah, a um, Eminem's are, a great artist to do that with a lot of people are so dismissive because of the the music behind it um but yeah lyrically just insane stuff yeah like when even even a wildly offensive band like a, a bloodhound gang some of their their lyrics are insane like the rhymes and metaphors and similes they come up with oh yeah are insane and i'm like how do you even think of that oh yeah i mean some of the most like vulgar and obscene like you know rap out there that people would that you know can't make it to the radio or that offends everybody or whatever when you break it down and just look at like what they're doing with language is just phenomenal even if you don't care for the content or you don't understand like why this would be appealing so but with the beastie boys you don't even really have that like mc at one point kind of like apologized for like sexism in their earlier music which like bless his heart he was such a sweet man but it's like silly because i don't think there was any sexism in their early music i think they were just being goofy like girls on license ill right like but girls (laughs) is just goofy teenage boy shit right like it's not offensive. I, you know, if you if you think it's offensive, you have no sense of humor, and that's your own problem. So fuck you. Yeah, um, I was gonna say something worse, but um, <laughs> I shouldn't. Uh, but anyway, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you have a do you have a favorite favorite rhyme or lyric? Uh, all of all of Paul Revere, um, all of High Plains Drifter. And then, um, so the whole songs then, <laughs> but no, I, there are certain things that, that kind of just get stuck in my head. So MC is saying, I'm cool as a cucumber in a bowl of hot sauce. You got your rhyme and reason, but got no cause. You're hot to trot. You think you're slicker than grease. I got news for your cruise. You'd be sucking like a leech. Oh, so what you want? I feel like you should That's drop really a good. mic at a rap battle right now. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> All right, we are going to wrap it up. We had some delicious beer by Alvarado Street Brewery. 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 That's how you say it. <laughs> From Salinas, California. Anything for Salinas. It was delicious. It was a nice little kettle sour. That yeah. was really good. I'd drink that again. Mm-hmm. And whenever I end up in California again, I might get it. Uh, and then thanks to the Beastie Boys 
for being awesome for, for being decades awesome. and decades. Thanks for Katie joining me. Thanks, Justin, for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Katie. I hope you figure out your last name the next time I see you. It's currently <laughs> Carlson. It will be Kara soon. I'm still Katie K. Nobody freak out. I know you were all totally freaking out, but don't worry. I'm still going to be Katie K. Where can people follow your awesome opinions online? Katie Karras on Instagram. Katie A. Karras on Twitter. Ooh. Do some bitch. Do some bitch. Um, but you got her Instagram, though, didn't you? I sure did. Yeah, that's right. Karras is K-A-R-A-S. Katie is spelled in the superior way. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> uh, my opinions aren't that great. There's other people to follow online, but there you know, you go. I'll now offer you, know. you some shit. Anytime you want to reach out to me with a beer recommendation or feedback, or you just want to say, Justin, you look extra fat today, you can find me at Beers in 90s on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram or email me beersand90s at gmail.com. Don't try to use an ampersands. Spell the A word out A N D because it won't work otherwise. Just, you know, we'll clarify that. Thanks for listening. That's episode 52. That's technically a year of episodes, even though our one year anniversary was a month ago. Took a little hiatus when I wasn't drinking at all during the summer. Yeah. No one wanted to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening uh we'll keep the california beer going we have a very special episode next week um i'm not gonna say my mom's gonna be on for the first time <laughs> but that's what's gonna happen <laughs> so thank you thank you katie thank you beastie boys thank you everybody thank you alvarado street listening. brewery i love you not the brewery just generally speaking okay thank bye holy punch hail holy 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 can I just say this is a really good beer to have if you want to do like sort of a fun tropical party in the dead of winter when everyone's like, <laughs> fuck my life. Like, drink this, like, crank up the heat in your place so you can wear like t shirts and, you know, play some Don Ho or something. Oh my God. Some throwback. I just shit. had a bunch of party ideas. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Drop. I